0: Well, friends, as I told you a couple weeks ago, we are doing a series on Pentecost, which as a reminder is next week, wear red, and we, um, we're talking about Acts chapter 2. It's, it's a strange thing sometimes to take one chapter of the Bible and spread it out across three weeks, but there's a lot going on in this chapter, and um, it's also a strange thing when, when you tell everybody, okay, we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. That's what we're working on. We're talking about Pentecost. And yet we're about to have a whole sermon preached not by me, but by Peter up here um, on Jesus. At least that's what it sounds like we're talking about. But in reality, he's talking about God. So what an interesting thing to talk about God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit all at the same time. That's because we believe that we have God in three persons, the Father, Son, and and the holy spirit so let me we're going to work on explaining that a little bit but let me pray for us and we're going to study the word together gracious god we thank you for this good opportunity as always help us do something good with it in your name we pray amen so tom brady he is the quarterback that made it into the news this week he uh he's somebody that a lot of companies bank on for endorsements Companies like uh, Movado and Under Armour, very, very high, high high-end companies that have a very, very specific audience. But do you know that he's not the most bankable player to endorse products? He is not. There is somebody who, who companies know will do a much better job for them endorsing their products, and that person is Peyton Manning which makes Reed extremely happy. (laughs) Part of the reason that companies can bank on Peyton Manning is that he is the everyman. He appeals to the masses. So he endorses companies like Papa John's and Nationwide Insurance and Buick, things that, that the average person will buy and use because he has that trustworthy face that people like companies know that the face of their product matters, and that people tend to be influenced in their purchases by those that they trust. And that works for for non-celebrity endorsements, too. When you're a first-time mom, you're going to be a new mom, what you do is you go to other moms that you trust, that you like, that you find accessible— And you ask them, well, which products do I really need? What is going to be most helpful to me? When novices venture out into the world of home improvement, they typically don't just show up at the hardware store. They go to their friends who have some expertise in this area who they trust and figure out what they're going to need to accomplish what they're doing oftentimes our inclination to use something to buy a product or even to associate with certain people is based on the level of trust and belief that we have in somebody else who already knows about the person or the product. So as we move closer to Pentecost, which is next week, wear red in case I didn't mention it, Pentecost being the gift of the Holy Spirit, we find ourselves today picking up in the middle of a sermon that is preached by the disciple Peter, in an opportunity that that he had that he didn't see coming. So remember the last time that we were all together, there was this wind, and it blew through the town, and it was so loud and so obnoxious and so much motion that everybody came out into the streets. And that gave Peter the opportunity to give a sermon. And when the Spirit came, it it was so loud, so filled with movement, that not just people that were looking for answers— But everyone that was concerned about what was going on all shows up in one place together. That put Peter in a really unique position. A position that you could find yourself in one day. Of having an audience all of a sudden and then having the opportunity to be the person in the room who can talk about Jesus Christ. Only one problem. Peter was not a preacher. He had no Formal homiletical training, homiletics, by the way, just a fancy word for preaching. Peter is not super well known for being a great public speaker. And in fact, if people recognized him at all at that point, it was because just a few weeks earlier, he had been the one who denied Jesus three times. So not only is Peter not a preacher, not a public speaker, he didn't even have time to prepare for what he was about to do. Did you know that they estimate that the average preacher spends seven to 20 hours a week on their sermon? And, and I know you're wondering about this, so just as an aside, I lean more towards the seven side. But Peter wasn't even given seven to 20 minutes. Instantly, instantly, in the blink of an eye, he found himself in a position where he got to speak to thousands of people who were wanting to know what was happening And he was the one in a place to speak to it. Now, just because these people wanted to know what was happening doesn't mean that they were exactly a friendly audience. It's always easier to speak to somebody when you've got a friendly audience, much harder when when you have a skeptical one. I would liken Peter's situation to say a representative of PETA trying to keynote the National Beef Association's annual conference. Many... Certainly not all of the people there, but many of those thousands, they were happy to be rid of Jesus. They're the ones who yelled, crucify him, crucify him. They probably still believe that that empty tomb was just this vast conspiracy. Even though they'd heard the witness of the Roman centurion, they had been at the tomb, they found it empty, but they were pretty sure that Jesus was just hiding out somewhere. So it's not like Peter has the credibility, the endorsement to give to Jesus that's going to persuade them, persuade this audience to become followers, and then receive the Holy Spirit, which Jesus left for them. So he has to look at a different way to come at this with the people. He has to demonstrate that it's actually God. It's actually God who endorses Jesus Christ as the Messiah, because there were many in the crowd that day who, though they did not believe in Jesus would have believed in God. They would have believed in the creator, the sustainer. And Peter thought, well, if they're not going to believe in me, maybe I could show them how God chose Jesus. So listen to Peter's sermon. Remember, done without notes at the spur of the moment when the opportunity presented itself. Acts 2.22. You that are Israelites, listen to what I have to say. Jesus Of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with deeds of power, wonders, and signs that God did through him among you, as you yourselves know. First thing Peter does, he points out that God endorsed Jesus by working signs and miracles through him. Twice, twice in a single verse, it is by God's power and by God's authority that Jesus was able to do all of the things that even his enemies witnessed and had to confess. Yeah, that. That really happened. So here, in his opening statement, what Peter is doing is he's actually subtly asking the people, do you really believe in God? Do you really believe in God? Because if you really believe in God, then you should be able to acknowledge God's power in the work of Jesus. God was the power in Jesus with him when he healed the sick and when he calmed the waters. In the Gospel of John, God gave Jesus the fullest endorsement that any human being has ever received. He gave him the power of the Spirit without measure. Peter then asked the people to consider how Jesus' death was part of God's plan to save them. He wants to remind them that, that this was part of God's plan all along. This man handed over to you according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God you crucified, you killed by the hands of those outside the law. So if you're reading this and you're kind of cynical, you might be able to say, oh, okay, so God teamed up with Pilate to kill Jesus. So this one can't really count as God's endorsement of Christ. But if you say that, if that's the argument that you're going to make, you have to ignore everything else that the Bible has to say about why God planned the death of Jesus. Luke, who who wrote today's text, also wrote in his own gospel, Thus it is written that Christ should suffer, and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be preached in his name to all nations. In other words, God planned the death of Jesus so moments like the ones that Peter has just found himself in can happen. Moments where forgiveness of sins could be preached to all nations. Pilate rejected Jesus. God honored him. God planned the death of Jesus not to disown or or to dishonor him but to glorify him as the perfect and flawless lamb who would take away the sins of the world. So here again, we have to decide if we believe in a God who loves us enough to go to such great lengths on our behalf. But God also raised him up, having freed him from death, because it was impossible for him to be held in its power. Peter's point here is that this verse is to communicate that while the people were against Jesus— You'll notice this again and again and again in this section. While the people were against Jesus, God turned around and raised him up. I want to encourage you to to go back into this text this week and look at all the places where, where they use you, 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 you. And then all the places where it says God, 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 God. Everything that we did, God went in a different direction with. Again and again, Peter is subtly trying to make the case that we all have a choice to make as to whether or not we follow and believe in God, or if we're just going to do our own thing. He backs up his line of thinking by showing how the resurrection of Jesus fits in with the Old Testament prophecy. person that would have had credibility among the people of that day would have been King David. They loved him. He was part of their history, their background. He had credibility. The people knew that David was dead, that he was buried, that he was still right where he had been left. But it is written, it is written in scripture that a savior would come from the bloodline of David. So verse 25. For David said concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, so I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. Moreover, my flesh will live in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let the Holy One experience corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life and you will make me full of gladness with your presence. This is just Peter straight up quoting David. So fellow Israelites, Peter says, I may say to you confidently of our ancestor David that he both died and was buried. His tomb is still with us today. But since he was a prophet, he knew that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would put one of his descendants on the the throne. Foreseeing this, David spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, saying... He is not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh experience corruption. So at this point, what Peter's doing is that he's hitting on and he's probably challenging the hearts of the hearers is not that they killed Jesus. They already know that. They, they'll admit to that. But that in doing so, they went against God. They voted against God. Well, that must have been a really incredibly challenging and hard thing. Can you imagine a preacher standing up in front of you and saying, I know you all voted against God. That's a hard thing to say to to a group of people. But remember, typically on a Sunday morning, you're talking to believers. Back then, he was talking to all of the masses. But these these folks, even the ones that had yelled, crucify, crucify Jesus, they still would have described themselves as believers. Not believers in Jesus, but believers in God. They were moral people. They were worshiping people. They were people that knew all of the scriptures of the day. And along comes Peter. And he says that while while they have all of this head knowledge, they don't have it in their hearts because they have rejected God. Peter could have just said it this way. Without a belief in Jesus and the desire to follow him, there is really no real knowledge of God. So that if we say then, for us today, if we know God, but we reject God's endorsement of Jesus as the one who did the miracles, if we say that we know God, but we reject Jesus as his plan for the forgiveness of our sins, if we say that we know God, but then we reject his endorsement of Jesus by raising him from the dead, then the truth is we don't really know God at all. And that must have ripped at the hearts of the people in the street that day. But it's something that we also have to think about for ourselves in 2015. If we say that we know God and we're going to go tell everybody that we love God, but we have no intention of not only recognizing Jesus as the savior of the world, but then get this part cuz this is the one that we struggle with. Then actually following him and acting on that belief, then we have to say that we vote against God. Because how we know God and yet refuse to believe in Jesus is a huge disconnect for us when Jesus was chosen and endorsed by God. Verse 32 says, this Jesus God raised up, And of all of that, all of us are witnesses. Remember, he's talking to people that were around. They were around for the crucifixion. They were around for the resurrection. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out on you both, poured out on on this so that you both see and hear. For David did not ascend to the heavens, but he himself said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool. So not only did God endorse Jesus, but he exalted him. He sat him at the right hand of God. And King David, the one who had so much credibility among the people of the day, predicted that this would be what would happen. The people who were out in the streets on that Pentecost day, they knew the words of Scripture. But now they had to reconcile, the, reconcile those words of Scripture with their heart and with their actions. Wasting no time in this, Peter points out that the reason that the streets are filled with wind and the reason that the people can hear and understand each other is because God endorsed Jesus as the one who was worthy to receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. Right? And Jesus has just told them, when I leave you, I will send the Holy Spirit for you. Jesus said it, then it happened Peter's reporting that it's exactly the way that it was supposed to go. Jesus had the power to send the Holy Spirit because God gave Jesus that power. So then, having made his case and and brought the people along with him as he goes, Peter sums up his whole sermon by saying this, Therefore, now that you know what is happening, Let the entire house of Israel know with certainty that God has made him both Lord and Messiah, this Jesus, here's here's Peter's punchline, this Jesus who you crucified, right? Peter again and again and again wants to get the point across that we did something. We human beings did something, God overcame it. So once again, Peter draws the distinction on what we did versus what God did and how at one point we rejected Jesus, but now, now we have seen how God has worked out his plans for us in Christ. And we know that when we know Jesus, we know God completely and wholly and totally endorsed Jesus as the Savior of the world. So it may seem to us, based on the words, just based on the words in Scripture, that Peter preached the whole sermon about Jesus. What he really preached was a sermon about God. The miracles of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, the exaltation of Jesus, the privilege of Jesus to baptize his church with the Holy Spirit. All of these things are endorsements from God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. The question that Peter posed to the people that day, And the question that each one of us individually has to decide on for ourselves is do you trust and believe in God? Do you trust and believe in God? From there, you'll be able to answer the question is Jesus the Messiah, the Savior of the world? Let us pray together. Father God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, Lord of all, we come before you as those seeking to know you. We know a lot about our faith. We know the words. We know the songs. Help us to understand how it all fits together. Help us be prepared like Peter to give account for our faith at a moment's notice when the opportunity presents itself to share the good news of the gospel. Help us to be ready to have a pouring out of your Holy Spirit among your people always.